It's that Harlem night, ayy. Gonna turn it up, please. I'm Harlem nights. Party at the bodega. What up, everybody? This is your man, Benz Pharrell. We're thinking out loud. How's everybody doing today? I hope everybody's doing all right. All right, so let's get into it. Robbers climbed through a hole in the wall, stealing thousands from a store in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, a convenience store near Clinton Hill in Brooklyn, was broken into five times within the last month. According to police, a man and a woman made an opening through an adjacent wall to the store after climbing through a window of an empty apartment within the same building. Understand? Uh, according to police, a man and a woman made an opening through an adjacent wall to the store after climbing through a window of an empty apartment within the same building. All right, there was a wall, the same building. The store is downstairs, all right? The building, you know how New York City is, is a building, the whole building, all right? So there was an empty apartment. So somehow they made like a wall, all right? So in the robbery spree, the two climbed in and out of the hole, uh, in and out of the hole, in the wall, stealing thousands of dollars in cash and lottery tickets. All right, the first breaking happened on September 11th, seemed to be a trial one for the suspects. Police reported that nothing was stolen, but that a wall attached to the store was significantly damaged. The two tried again an hour later. This time through the damaged wall, they got into the store and stole $600 from the register before escaping through the hole. It came back weeks later on September 29th through the wall again and took $1,990 from the register and $1,200 worth of lottery tickets. Surveillance footage shows the two after the fourth incident outside 303 Tompkins Avenue where they were using a lotto ticket machine. The following Monday, police said they went through the hole and took $2,500 in lotto tickets. $1,120 in cigars and $30 of cash. $30 cash. The latest incidents happened on October 16th, where they reportedly took $970 cash from the register, and, and then they took an unknown amount of lotto tickets and vape products. All right? So they didn't even get caught yet. But they got their pictures on the doggone um, everywhere on the Internet. <clears throat> Excuse me, a convenience store near Clinton Hill in Brooklyn was broken into about five times. And then it was a man and a woman. Um, they made an opening. Man, a man and a woman made an opening through an adjacent wall to the store after climbing through a window of an empty apartment within the same building. The robbery spree. The two climbed in and out of the hole in the wall, stealing thousands of dollars in cash and lottery tickets. They first started on September 11th. That means that seemed to be a trial run for the suspects. Police reported that nothing was stolen, but that was that a wall attached to the store was significantly damaged. The two tried again an hour later, this time through the damaged wall. They got into the store and stole about $600 from the register before escaping through the hole. They came back weeks later on September 29th through the wall again and took $1,990 from the register and $1,200 worth of lottery tickets. Surveillance footage 
shows the two after the fourth incident outside Tompkins Avenue, where they were using a lotto ticket machine. The following Monday, police said they went through the hole in the wall and took $2,500 in lotto tickets, $1,120 in cigars, and $30 cash. The latest incident happened on October 16th, where they reportedly took $970 cash from the register and an unknown amount of lotto tickets and vape products. All right, so they put their pictures on the wall asking the public for their help. They could have just trapped them, right? <clears throat> Ain't that what they do? That's what the, 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 the detectives do. They be like, okay, let them do it again so they could catch them. Like, they done did it about two, three times. They done did it like three times in September. So they could have like just caught them in October and you say nothing about it. They could have just caught them. Or the people, the landlord or the people that own the building could have fixed the hole in the wall. But they could have caught them though. If the, if the detectives, if the New York Police Department really wanted to catch them, they would have let them do it again. And then they would have caught their asses. All right, so that's all on y'all. Y'all could have caught them people a long time ago. See what I'm saying? But they got their faces. They got their um. They got their face on there. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty much not doing too much investigation on it anyway because they they definitely could find out who the hell it is. But I guarantee I'm gonna get some updates on this later on. I don't know when. Maybe November. Maybe next week. Maybe December. But I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get some updates. I will remind you guys like I always do because I always get updates on these silly debaucheries right here. Anyway, we're going to keep it moving on some other news. You feel me? All right. Queens, New York. Queens subway attack. A man was struck in the head repeatedly with a chair and scooter. The New York police department is searching for the suspect accused of striking a 53-year-old man in the head repeatedly with a chair and scooter at a Queens subway station. The attack happened Saturday just after 9.30 p.m. on the northbound platform at the Grand Avenue Newton subway station in Elmhurst. According to police, the victim was standing on the platform when he was engaged by an unknown individual in a, in a dispute. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> Damn, I'm going to have to exit that one out. Hold on. Hold on. No, you can keep that one in. Fuck you. Let the people hear me cough. The individual proceeded to strike the victim numerous times in the head with a chair and scooter before fleeing out of the station. The victim was taken by EMS to the New York City Health and Hospital on Elmhurst, where he was listed in stable condition. The individual is described as a man around 5'8". With a medium complexion, he was last seen wearing no shirt, navy blue pants, and white sneakers. Anyone with information is asked to call the New York City Police Department. All right, moving along. Let's see what else is next. You already know what time it is. This is Ben's Pharrell with Thinking Out Loud. Let's get it right. Oh, shit, we at the wrong one. Look at that shit. Look at This might be good for New York, but let me see. Judge strikes down recent New York City rules restricting gun licenses as unconstitutional. All right, so a federal judge on Tuesday struck down recent provisions in New York City's gun restrictions as unconstitutional. 
which I agree with, saying officials have been allowed too much discretion to deny gun permits to people deemed not good for not good, not of good morale character. All right. So basically, this is something I've been talking about months ago. Where the like, remember when I said, you know how they make a person, a person, a regular person is getting his vehicle license, his regular class D license, and you go through a written test, and then you go through a driver's test. You see what I'm saying? And then they make their assumption if you fit to be behind the wheel. Well, it's the same. It's the same mentality. It's the same concept when you're trying to get a license, a gun license, and so you could carry your weapon in New York because you need to protect yourself because those criminals don't give a fuck about none of those provisions and protocols and stuff. They don't care. They're just going to get their hands on the gun and get to doing what they want to do. You get what I'm saying? So Judge John P. Cronin in Manhattan said in the written ruling that the magnitude of discretion afforded to city afforded to city gun licenses officials under facets of the city's administrative code violated the Constitution's Second and Fourteenth Amendments. In particular, the judge cited provisions empowering officials to evaluate an applicant's good morale character and whether good cause exists for the denial of gun permits. The ruling added that the city to the growing number of municipalities nationwide whose gun restrictions have been struck down after a landmark U.S. Supreme Court ruling in June 2022 found that Americans have a right to carry firearms in public for self-defense. The Supreme Court's so-called Bruin decision, which struck down a New York gun law, was the high court's first major gun decision in over a decade. It had led to lower courts striking down various gun laws and prompted the Supreme Court earlier this year to agree to decide whether judges are going too far in striking down restrictions on firearms. The judge said he was staying the effect of his ruling until midnight Thursday to give the city time to appeal. All right. The judge said he was staying the effect of his ruling until midnight Thursday to give the city time to appeal. The ruling came in a lawsuit filed last year by Joseph Schrewer, who was denied a permit to possess rifles and shotguns in his home by officials who cited prior arrests, bad driving history, and alleged false statements on applications. Cronin wrote that the case was not about the ability of a state or municipality to impose appropriate and constitutionally valid regulations governing the issuance of firearm licenses and permits. Rather, he said, the provisions fell to pass constitutional muster because of the magnitude of discretion afforded to city officials in denying an individual their an individual their constitutional right to keep and bear firearms. <clears throat> I know this is a lot, ladies and gentlemen. And because the city failed to show that unabridged discretion is grounded in the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation, he said, notices that Schreuer received from the New York Police Department Guns Licenses Division are not models of clarity and and explaining the precise legal grounds for denying his applications to possess a firearm. All right. They're going a little too hard, you know. I'm trying to, like, simplify this whole goddamn 
article, the regulations that Cronan found to be unconstitutional have since been amended, and the judge said he was not yet ruling on the wording of the new provisions. The city did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Amy Bellatoni, Shrewa's attorney, said in a text message that Cronan's decision resulted from rock-solid constitutional analysis. All right, she called it a major win for self-protection in New York City. In written arguments in February, asking Cronan to rule against Shrewa, city lawyers said his gun permit application was denied because he lacked candor by admitting two prior arrests and prosecutions, one for attempted murder as well as an egregious history of moving violations demonstrating an, an inability to comply with licenses requirements. Right, that kind of makes sense. All right, so um, Cronan cited last year's Supreme Court Bruin ruling in his decision, saying that vaguely worded good cause provision in New York City rules were much like the proper cause wording invalidated by Supreme Court in his decision last year. He said the provisions he struck down were written so that a licensing official would make a judgment call about the character, temperament, and judgment of each applicant without an objective process. You see what I'm saying? Without doubt, I'm going to break this down for you. Hold up. Without doubt, the very notions of good morale, character, and good cause are inherently exceedingly broad and discretionary. Someone may be deemed to have good morale character by one person, yet a very morale flawed character by another. Such unfettered discretion is hard, if not impossible, to reconcile with Bruin, Cronan wrote. Look, all right. So, I believe New York, the state of New York, and the Supreme Court need to review these gun licenses because it's unfair that um people in New York City cannot walk around with gun um with possess a gun. You see what I'm saying? Legally. We're not talking about illegally. We're talking about going to a gun licensing place, going to a gun place, purchasing a gun so you could legally possess a gun. So you could legally carry a weapon. I think I think people in New York needs to have that because of the simple fact that too many people out there have guns and you need to protect yourself. There's people that just, you know, terrorize the city because they got guns. So you got people who want to carry, you know, legally carry a permit gun. You know, I believe they need it, especially in New York, because you have a lot of Criminals in New York, and they don't care about the goddamn regulations. You know that. Everybody knows that. You got some places that will do a background check. They see that you got move, moving violations. I'm breaking down what the um, article is trying to tell you. Uh, you. They'll see that you got moving violations, and that's traffic violations, basically. Like, oh, it took you this long to um, uh, eradicate this or it took you, you've been back and forth with your um, traffic tickets and you haven't like reconciled or you haven't um, taken care of the problems with your license. So a particular place that you went to go purchase a weapon, 
they're probably the ATF probably gonna look at your background. They're probably gonna say, oh, the ATF, the ATF, they, those are the people that look at your background and they'll say, they're the one who ultimately say if you're good to purchase a gun or not. The ATF probably gonna, once they do the background check, the background check takes about 30 minutes. So when you go to the goddamn gun license in place, or not the gun license in place, a gun store, when you go to a gun store to purchase a weapon, they're going to do a background check. It take about 30 minutes, all right? So the ATF probably going to send back and say, it's either you don't, they're going to say red or green. Red means, no, this person cannot purchase a weapon. They are a liability. Or they're going to say green, yeah, this person could, uh, is fit to purchase a weapon, all right? So... Basically, what the judge is trying to do is um, give the power to the gun store as well. So the doggone ATF probably going to be like, oh, he's, gr he's green, he's good to purchase a weapon. But they're going to give the power to the gun store too. So the gun store probably going to look at you while you're doing the application. And if you lie on the application, you see what I'm saying? Even if the ATF done gave you the green light to get purchase the gun, if you lie on the application and the gun store sees it, it, it's up to them to sell you the gun or not. You get what I'm saying? But they got till tomorrow to see what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Like here in Texas, in the state of Texas, uh, gun stores down here, they do have the power to sell you the weapon or not. They're going to do the background check first. ATF is going to review the application. It's up to the ATF to say, oh, red, nah, don't sell this person no weapon, or they're going to give you a green light, all right? But they do that here in Texas, though. Sometimes the gun store is going to look at you and do the application. They're going to look at you, they're going to be like, Mm, I don't know about selling this guy a weapon. I don't know. I don't know. And they probably would deny you. They can do that here. You see what I'm saying? They're trying to give that same clause, that same power to the New York City gun stores up there. You get what I'm saying? That's what the back and forth is about. But basically, they're going through your history. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to see if you went to jail, if you have a criminal history, which ultimately will make you will deny you to purchase a weapon ultimately all right but if you have something in your record that proves that you are responsible and that you are consistent on handling um various moving violations like traffic violations and and that you just handle everything and then and you have like a good five six year where you um become a model citizen, then they might change the, you get what I'm saying? They might, okay, you could get, you could purchase a weapon. That's what they basically doing. So basically it's up to the person that's purchasing the weapon. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know what they're going to do tomorrow, you know? And this is like a big thing. I've been talking about this for months. I've been talking about this shit for a long time where like, I believe they need to doggone on. Um, Go through a background check and see if you fit to purchase a weapon. Because 
I believe, if you're going to exercise the Second Amendment, you're going to have to have some type of protocols on whether a person is fit to carry a weapon. You see what I'm saying? There's people who's not supposed to carry a weapon. Like, I had one incentive that I, that I came up with. They should have, like, a survey so you can figure out the person. A survey is going to tell you if a person is fit to possess a weapon lawfully. You see what I'm saying? It's just like how you do the police officers when they first go to the academy. It's the same thing. You should have a survey. I believe you should come up with an incentive. All 50 states come up with a survey for an individual that's seeking to purchase a weapon and be like, look, if the survey is going to let you know if the person is fit to carry a weapon or not, once they get through that survey, that testing, that protocol, is going to let you know this person should have a weapon, a weapon or not. You see what I'm saying? That's how they should just do it. They should have been doing it like that. And this is something that I was talking about months ago, long time ago. I was talking about this long, long time ago. Like, bro, if you have like a history, a criminal history, no. If you have assaults, a criminal history, if you have like just back-to-back consistent uh, um, violations in your record, then no, you cannot possess a weapon. It's just that simple. You see what I'm saying? And then an 18-year-old, 20-year-old, you should not, they should not have the ability to possess a weapon because they don't even have the credit. It's just like a credit report. They don't even have the credit yet to possess a weapon. You see what I'm saying? You don't know, you don't know what, what's going to become of them. The only way an 18-year-old should possess a weapon if that 18-year-old made a decision to join the military, the armed services. That's the only way. But if the 18-year-old did not join the armed services, the, I don't think an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old, don't have, they shouldn't possess any weapon. All right? They should, like, um, build up their background, their background, Probably going to take them all the way to 26 to 27 years old. Build up your background first to see if you're capable, if you're competent enough to possess a weapon. You get what I'm saying? I'm, try, I'm trying to make sense, especially, especially for the law-abiding, law-abiding citizens. You get what I'm saying? I, I, I'm, I'm really trying to break it down because you got some people out there... Um, that shouldn't possess no weapons. They have mental problems. They have there are uh, they have a background that's consistent with violating the law. You get what I'm saying? Those people should not possess anything. You cannot give them a weapon. You can't. You I know ultimately that the government can distinguish. Which citizen cannot possess a weapon? Which citizen should possess a weapon? You see what I'm saying? Because your background speaks volumes of who you are. Ultimately. And they been could have did that. But, you know, but guess who stopped that from happening? The NRA, the National Rifle Association. They got deep pockets and they can control politicians they can control 
the uh they can control the district attorneys they could control the elected officials they they have that much power that much money you see what i'm saying but a real politician a person that's a public a public servant that really has the public best interest at heart will not accept any goddamn money and they will do the right thing and that's what we need that's what we need to help govern the public all right that's that's basically what i'm trying to tell you right here and the supreme court um is in some type of uh how you call it dilemma they don't know what to do but i'm trying to help them figure it out what to do all right all right in my goddamn Candace Owens voice, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Moving along. All right, all right. Florida man, woman accused of slashing man's throat, tossing him over the bridge during the date. Hmm. Escambia County, Florida, was started out as a seemingly ordinary dinner date between a man and a woman he met on social media unravel into a throat slashing robbery that escalated into him being thrown over a bridge by an Inscambia County duo, according to deputies. All right. So Natalie Francisca and Nafis Reynolds were arrested and charged with attempted murder, armed carjacking, armed robbery, and kidnapping, kidnapping after an incident that unfolded this week in Inscambia County. It all started when a man met Fasinska on social media and agreed to have dinner and hang out with her, deputy stated. During their unorthodox date, the man went to Fasinska's house where she introduced him to her uncle, Reynolds. It wasn't long before the three of them ended up in a car together to take a ride to the man's house, deputy said. Upon leaving, Fasinska and Reynolds both hit the man several times, telling him he was going to die, according to the deputies. The duo allegedly robbed the man of his shoes, phone, money, and car. Then they took turns cutting his throat before throwing him over a bridge rail into the Inscabia River. Fasinska and Reynolds drove away in the man's car they allegedly stole. Deputies found the car on the US-98 West after it was allegedly set on fire. Oh, God damn it. The man, however, was able to survive the throat cutting and fall from the bridge and swam toward the shore where he flagged down the deputy. An update about his condition was not immediately available. Deputies were able to ID Ms. Fasinska and Reynolds, and they were taken into custody. Fasinska was charged with possession of marijuana, possession of drug equipment, armed carjacking, attempted murder, kidnapping, and armed robbery. She remains at the Inscambia County Jail on the $802,000 bond. Reynolds was charged with kidnapping, attempted murder, armed carjacking, armed robbery, and possession of drug equipment. He also is in jail on an $801,000 bond. Now, before I end this right here, what did I say about meeting people on social media, ladies and gentlemen? It's not good. I told you my experience. It never was good. It was bad every time. 
The best way to meet people is you take your silly ass out there on an event, go to the bar by yourself, or go to a club, go to some special event on your own or with your friends and go meet you a person. Didn't I not said that? I said, I believe I said that a couple of goddamn segments ago. All right. So let me tell you this. This is nasty. And this is what happens. This is exactly what I was talking about when you meet people online. Because everybody that I met online back in my day, was all, all of them was weird. Everybody had some type of issues. That's why I don't talk to people online. I don't meet people online. The only DMs that I would jump in is a celebrity G- DM. That's it. And if they do talk to me and they, we do have a conversation, I'm going to think they weird too. That's just, I'm just going to keep it G with you, all right? Natalie Fasinska <clears throat> was started out as a seemingly ordinary dinner date between a man and a woman he met on social media unraveled into a throat-slashing robbery that escalated into him being thrown over a bridge in Enscambia County, all right? The Enscambia County duo that took turns on slashing that man's throat. That's sickening. That's wicked. Natalie Francisca and Nathan Reynolds were arrested and charged with attempted murder, armed carjacking, armed robbery, and kidnapping after an incident that unfolded this week in Escambia County. It all started with a man that met Miss Francisca on social media and agreed to have dinner and hang out with her, deputies said during their unorthodox date. All right? Unorthodox. I'm not the only person that think this way. The man went to Fasinska's house where she introduced him to her uncle, Reynolds. It wasn't long before the three of them ended up in the car together to take a ride to the man's house, deputy said. Upon leaving, Fasinska and Reynolds both hit the man several times, telling him he was going to die. The duo allegedly robbed the man of his shoes, phone, money, and car. Then they took turns cutting his throat before throwing him over a bridge rail into the Enscambia River. Fasinska and Reynolds drove away in the man's car they allegedly stole. Deputies found the car on the U.S. 98 West after it was allegedly set on fire. The man, however, was able to survive the throat-cutting ordeal and fall from the bridge and swam toward the shore where he flagged down the deputy. All right, an update about his condition was not immediately immediately available. All right, so, all right, like I told you, meeting people online is dangerous. It's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. You don't, not if you really want to go meet somebody, you want to find somebody, put somebody in your life, you go out of the house and you go somewhere. You could go to church, you could go to a library, you could go to a a sporting event, you could go to the bar, you could go to the pub, you could go to the club, you could go to a goddamn, just go out there and meet somebody. You will find somebody, you'll be like, okay, this person. But she's still gonna have to have your analytics. That doesn't mean, oh, that person is an angel. But it was safer. Because you're probably going to know the person is dangerous, all right? Most of the times, people have pictures online, and then when you meet them in person, they look nothing like the person online. You see what I'm saying? So, ladies and gentlemen, use your head, and, pl- and please listen to me. Ben's Pharrell with Thinking Out Loud, all right? Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok.
just type in the search engine, Box Benji, that is B-O-X-B-E-N-J-I, mm-hmm. and you will find me, Ben's Forever, thinking out loud. I am super active on TikTok. I always get the people um, routed up on TikTok. They always jump in my comments. They always fighting each other and arguing about topics that I put on TikTok. I do that all the time. And you could go on Instagram. Instagram is totally different content. I put, I upload on Instagram stuff that will make you be like, oh shit, what did I just see here? All right. So this has been for well with thinking out loud. I'm going to holler at you people later in another segment, another episode. You have a glorious day. Peace. Gonna turn it up, please. Them hard nights. Party at the boat, Dagger.